everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus back in on the communication services sector as we will discuss a 2022 outlook for the group, including a look into areas such as streaming, gaming, and more. Uh, joining us for today's conversation, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Kevin Deneen, Technology and Communication Services Analyst Americas, as well as Reed Gilligan, Equity Associate Analyst Americas, both with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Kevin Reed, Happy New Year to you both. Welcome back to Top of the Morning. Looking forward to our conversation today. Hey, Dan. Happy New Year, and thanks for having us back on. Absolutely. So up front, I do want to point out to our clients, our listeners, that Kevin Reed will be referencing their recent Outlook note for the group, U.S. Communication Services 2022 Outlook. That piece can now be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO for your reference. So, Kevin, as a good starting point, how are you thinking about the communication services sector heading into 2022? It's in. It's a good question. So we really think about the sector um, based on what we think are the three sort of pillars of revenue underlying the sector, and that's connectivity, it's content, and, and it's advertising. And overall, we're taking a neutral stance on the sector. We think there's some strong secular trends here, whether it's digital advertising or streaming, streaming media, um, that you know we, we, we all live it. We clearly see it every day. But these secular trends, these secular positives are offset by what we think are some structural challenges in things like linear TV and cord cutting and really the lack of growth in wireless. Now, to be clear, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a little bit. We're saying lack of growth in wireless. We, we think the industry is in decent shape. Um, we just think that it's a little bit challenge for growth. If we look at estimates for the sector, right, earnings per share estimates and revenue estimates, um, we think those estimates are, are probably a little conservative um, as we look out to 22 and beyond because we think that there is a lot of stability and connectivity. So that's, again, that's wireless uh, on your smartphone. It's high-speed Internet going into your home or business. And, and we think there's you know a lot of ongoing strength in digital advertising. And we look at valuation. Valuation for the, for the sector is, is attractive at about 20 times forward estimates. That's right about in line with the market. Um, so the question is, why aren't we more positive, right? Because we, we see, we see these, these, uh, healthy secular trends offset. There's some structural offsets, but we think estimates are conservative and valuation is attractive. So why aren't we taking a more positive stance? If the sector itself has a real odd mix of growth versus value and secular versus cyclical. So we think it's always going to be difficult here to make a, a broad based sector call. Um, so we're sticking with this neutral view for now. Kevin, with that backdrop in mind, perhaps we can get a bit more granular, jump into the sector drivers. So what trends, Kevin, are you seeing in the connectivity space? Yeah, I'll start with, with telecom and then I'll, Reed will pick it up and talk about the cable companies. Um, you know, in telecom, I think the, the environment is actually pretty healthy. And that's actually, I would say, significantly better than the consensus view, which I, which I think is actually pretty bearish. Our key message here would be don't fear cable competition. Um, what we've seen in the wireless industry are some of the big cable companies which have uh, agreements with wireless companies where they get to use wireless networks um, and, and sell their own sort of white label branded uh, wireless services. We think that there's that the fears of competition there are overcooked. And, and we, we really point towards a couple of key charts on this. 
Um, we look at churn, which is the number of people per month who leave one service to go to another. And if we look at churn among the big U.S. wireless companies, churn remains really at historic lows despite this supposed increased competition from the cable companies. And then if we look at growth, uh, what we focus there on is postpaid net ads, postpaid phone net ads. So these are customers that walk into a carrier and sign a two-year contract. They're often getting a, a, a subsidy for their phone. These are viewed as a higher quality um, subscriber base. They tend to be better ARPU, better average revenue per month and better margin and sticky. You know, they, they tend not to move around too much. And if we look at, at this postpaid phone net ad, the, the major U.S. wireless carriers are still gaining 80% share of that, of those incremental net ads. So when we put it together, you know, we think that churn is remaining really low. Um, the big three, the, the major U.S. wireless companies, they, they continue to gain the lion's share of postpaid net ads. So we think that really undercuts the argument that there's this, you know, burgeoning cable competition. And when we put it all together, we think services revenue for the wireless industry should continue to grow low single digits. Now, if we look into 2022, there's going to be some headwinds to growth, but that's really from tough comps. Remember last year in the first half of the year and maybe even the middle of the year, um, the industry really accelerated. Uh, for whatever reason, there was some incremental pull-in of people getting phones. Um, but that's really more about net ads than it is about service revenue growth. So we think that, again, service revenue growth will, will should grow low single digits. That's probably a little bit better than consensus. On valuation, this group is really depressed. It's trading at about 11 times forward earnings. That's more than a 50% discount versus the S&P 500. And, and really, both, both metrics, valuation on absolute level, valuation on, on a relative level versus the overall market, both of those levels are at, at generational lows. So why aren't we more positive here? You know, we just don't really see catalysts uh, as we look out in terms of a significant inflection of growth or significantly better margin. So our bottom line message here is that telecom, it's not bad. It's probably a little bit better than consensus, but we would need to, to see some sort of growth or some sort of margin inflection to get more excited. Let me pass over to Reed to talk about the cables. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, so as Kevin mentioned, just as telecom is facing competition uh, from the cable industry on the wireless side, the cable industry is starting to see competition in broadband from the telecom players. So we view the broadband market as still growing, but at a much slower rate due to demand pull forward experienced during this pandemic environment. Just to put some numbers around it, um, the industry grew 7 to 8% on a year-over-year basis in the midst of the pandemic as people worked from home and learned from home and really needed that high-speed internet um, connectivity. Now, in the more recent quarters, growth has shot down to 3 or 4%. Going forward, these difficult year-over-year comps or, or comparisons will be lapped, but there is uncertainty regarding increased competition, and that has really hindered cable sentiment recently. Um, I mean, Kevin mentioned that telcos shouldn't be too worried about competition on the wireless side. I think the sentiment in cable is a, is a bit more concerning where these telcos are, are investing a lot in their fiber buildouts, in 5G fixed wireless access, which which really could have an impact on subscriber growth in 2022. So we expect a more muted growth um, this year, given these headwinds. 
Now, on top of these slowing broadband subs, cables are also struggling with cord cutting, a trend that's been going on since 2012. Um, and we do expect this trend to continue as sports and news shifts more towards streaming. So, Reed, that's actually a great segue into content drivers. I know you focus on the streaming services. So, Reed, how are you viewing the content landscape at the moment? Yeah. I mean, as you said, the media and entertainment players, it's all about streaming right now. It's it's the number one focus. Um and we we watch closely the cash spent on content on an annual basis and the ramp up for every single media company over the past six years is completely staggering. And the Financial Times came out with an article last week that put the total number for 2022 at $140 billion. This is a staggering amount being invested in the content and it's a level that we do not believe is sustainable. But... It's, it's a necessary investment for media companies at the moment, shifting towards a streaming future. Um, it, why it's, it's the goal right now is to achieve substantial subscriber growth in order to hit profitability targets on the road. Now, there are a lot, there was a lot of subscriber noise in the past two years. Um, I mean, new services launched. There was a huge demand pull forward. And then there was also production pauses. I mean, these streaming services couldn't shoot new content because of the pandemic. Um, we do believe that net ad growth will normalize in 2022. And we do expect this year to be a pivotal year in the streaming landscape where services really need to prove that they can sustain growth in order to reach their profitability goals I mentioned down the line. And that's really just to warrant this higher multiple being placed on streaming um, versus their legacy linear TV business. So, Reed, I know in times past you've joined us here on top of the morning to talk about the gaming industry. Maybe we can spend a few moments there and just some quick context for our listeners. I understand that the major publishers struggled during the back end of 2021. So with that in mind, Reed, what is the outlook for the gaming space for 2022? Yeah, I mean, you said it. They they definitely underperformed at the end of 2021, but we view the high-level industry trends of video gaming pretty supportive of long-term strength. Um, what are we looking at there? We're looking at global gamers. The global gaming community continues to rise and is going to hit $3 billion within two years, which is a pretty incredible number for, for something that was viewed as a hobby only a few years ago. Um when we're looking at engagement, video game engagement, we have we saw this massive spike in a pandemic environment, and engagement levels have come down from those um, unsustainable highs. But where are they leveling out? We're looking at a few signals that show engagement leveling out more than two times that of pre-pandemic levels. Now, both of these indicate an industry that should be in a position of strength. Yet, as you said, performance lagged valuation both on an absolute and a relative level are depressed so why is that growth did slow during reopening so you have that headwind and then we're also seeing industry-wide pipeline delays so these games that are hyped up for for over 12 months are being delayed or they're coming out with buggy releases and upsetting the gaming consumer um this is a this puts kind of a a bad sentiment on the space and really um, hurts confidence in their 2022 revenue and earnings numbers. So we do expect industry to remain under pressure 
until there is a sentiment reset and don't really expect that uh, to, to happen until we see um, pipelines get back on track and, and hitting their targets. But on a, on a broader level, we've seen this, this craze around the metaverse, which I'll let Kevin talk about briefly. Yeah, so the metaverse, Dan, we, I think we've talked about it with you in this forum before. We've certainly talked about it in other forums. And I think, you know, interest in the metaverse just continues to be on fire. Um, we, we look at how many times companies mention metaverse in earnings calls, conference calls, and whatnot. And in the fourth quarter alone, there were 650 mentions of the metaverse by more than 200 companies. Um, that's based on data from FactSet. That's a real acceleration. I would probably even call it an inflection versus where the data was tracking um, year to date. And, you know, we understand the hype and the excitement, but we don't really see the metaverse as investable today or a driver for the comp services sector. Now, having said that, we do think that, um, and we can talk about this at some other point, but we do think that there are some large technology companies, large platform companies, whether it's in, you know, the digital advertising space or, or other areas that uh, are part of comp services that do seem well positioned for what the metaverse eventually ends up being, you know, for whatever whatever we realize the metaverse to be. Uh, we don't think it's investable today, but we think there's companies that are making lots of investment in it, in it to try to uh, catalyze the metaverse. And, and, you know, eventually that could be a driver, but not as of today. Kevin, thank you for bringing that up. And it is worth a quick mention for our listeners, our clients towards the back end of 2021. Kevin and Reed joined us for a top of the morning on the metaverse. Let's get meta. That episode is now available on Apple, Spotify, as well as UBS.com forward slash podcasts for a deeper 101 look into the metaverse. And I'm sure we'll look forward to some follow-up conversations on that topic this year. But getting back to our conversation today, uh, Reed, maybe touching on the final sector driver, that being advertising. So you did mention in the intro that advertising is an area of strength. Are there any particular segments driving that strength, Reed? Yeah, thanks, Dan. So the global ad market will continue to rise, and it's really led by the digital segment. Um, just just to start things off, I'll, I'll put some numbers around it. So according to Magna Global, which is a major um, advertising industry analyst. Advertising grew 20, 22% last year, and they expect it to grow 12% this year in 2022. Now, digital advertising was above market growth. So we saw digital advertising grow 31% last year, and it's expected to grow 17% in 2022. Now, within digital, the two kind of pillars or, or the largest players are search and social, but um, I just want to point out that online video is actually the fastest growing digital ad segment. Why is that? I mean, it's what we talked about before with the ongoing cord cutting trend. Um, linear TV is has historically been um, a really important part of the advertising landscape, and, and it will still attract a significant ad dollar share due to its scale. But that $150 billion bucket is the addressable market for online video um, just because of the shift of consumer preferences towards streaming. So we do expect online video to start eating at the linear TV ad bucket, and, and we see a long runway for growth there. 
but I'll, I'll let Kevin jump into the two pillars of digital advertising, search and social. Yeah, thanks, Reed. So search and social, you know, clearly two of the biggest drivers within uh, digital advertising, probably, you know, two of the biggest growth drivers within the overall advertising landscape. And as everybody's familiar, this is this group, this search and social um, advertising market, it's, it's dominated by a couple of large platform companies that gets captured in what's called the interactive media group within the comm services sector. And if we look at that group, that interactive media group, uh, that group trades at 25 times toward earnings. You know, that's what a 25% premium to the overall sector. We think that's actually cheap. Uh, for what the, the, these companies are, given the growth rate, given the positioning. We think valuation here is cheap and likely reflects some uh, regulatory risk and some tough comparisons. As last year, you know, you saw some real accelerations um, in digital ad spending as, as the economy started to recover from, from the pandemic. Now, as we look ahead, comps will get high, but we think the key is to think about engagement, how much time people spend on the platform. And even beyond that, we think about the, the sort of quantity times price, right? The real P times Q economics for digital advertising. We think both of those factors um, will be positive across search and social, but with actually different dynamics. In social, 2021 and, and even the back half of 20, so really strong engagement, right? We were all sort of locked down or in our houses or not able to travel. And what did we all do? We spent time on our phone looking at social media. That drove a sharp increase in ad units, the amount of ad inventory that was available and sold. We think that reverses in 2022, right? As, as the world starts to emerge and people get their mobility back, maybe we uh, spend more time in a real world rather than our, so, our, our smartphones. But pricing here is an auction market. And I think pricing can improve on 2022 precisely because that, that unit growth is a little bit uh, lower. There's just going to be less, less eyeballs for sale, so to speak. Um, for, for search and display advertising, we, we look at a different metric. We look at paid clicks, and that actually has a different dynamic than what we saw in social. So clicks in, 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 in last year, in, in 21, um, clicks were a, little bit, were a little bit softer, but pricing was firm. We think that could reverse. You know, As people go out in the world, they'll, they'll do searches on where to go, where to travel to, what to buy. Um, and we think you could see a pickup in, in the amount of inventory that gets sold through there. Pricing may soften up a bit, right, just because of supply. So the bottom line here is that we think companies in the digital ad space should probably post above consensus results for 2022. And that's based on a number of factors. We think the P times Q dynamics are, are, are overall healthy. Um, they may be a little bit different between search and social, but still nonetheless pretty healthy. We think the um, ad market ends up being more resilient than industry forecast. Um, at the company level, and we're not going to speak about specific companies, but at the company level, we think some estimates are baking in what we think is too sharp or deceleration in growth. We also see that these companies, or in our view, these companies have specific levers that they can pull on, whether it is on cost or on the revenue side. So ultimately, we think that there's upside on a group um, this interactive media group, this group levered to digital advertising, we think there's upside on a group that we think is actually cheap to begin with. So it's actually 
uh, among our most preferred bees within the sector. Kevin Reed, it's great catching up with you both. As always, looking forward to tracking the sector as the year progresses. As mentioned, plenty here we can follow up on. So do look forward to having you both back on for some follow-up conversations throughout the year. Uh, thank you again for your time and insights this morning. Appreciate it, as always. Thanks very much, Dan. Great to be on. Yeah, thanks, Dan. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which Kevin and Reed have been making reference to during our conversation today, uh, that being the U.S. Communication Services piece, 2022 Outlook in 22 Charts. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.